Welcome to Running is Bullshit, I'm Stuart. And I'm Amy, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. This is episode 89, and it's going to be a fairly short episode, basically because we forgot to talk to each other, and then Amy went on holiday, and then I'm going on holiday, and we've only got like a few hours this evening just to bang something out really quickly, and Amy's stressed as fuck, so we're not going to take too long. It's fine. It's great, it's great, it's really professional and great, and... Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine. Oh, there everything's we go. Fine. You've said everything's fine. So you know what? Be. It's it's the heat as well. Like, I don't know about anyone else, but my stress, it, normal stress levels, I'm quite like a stressy person. So my normal stress levels are quite high anyway, but the heat, I'm just like, it's just on a, a whole different level, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a thing. Um, so a big thank you to everyone who sent us stuff this week, but we're going to cut it. So yeah. sorry. Not interested. No, we are. We are. We are. Send it to us again next week. We'd love to read it out. Uh, Amy, I've got sciatica and I'm never going to run again. You've got sciatica? Well, well, what I mean by that is, like, my ass hurt for a few hours last oh. Monday. I didn't know what it was. Someone mentioned sciatica and I thought, yes, that's exactly what it is. I looked it up and yeah, it was exactly the pain. But the next day it had gone. Mate, you, so. don't, you don't want to get... My mum had sciatica. No word of a lie. She had it for probably, like, two years and it's excruciating. She couldn't walk properly, yeah. you know? It's it excruciating. For a couple of hours, it was horrendous. Yeah. But it kind of went away the next day. So I don't know if oh whether it just like they had a little pinch on something. But yeah, I don't want that. No, no, you don't want that to be a long-lasting thing, for sure. Even I did some stretching to try and get rid of it. That's oh how bad it was. I did stretching. You know what cured my mum's? Um, she went on like a long-distance journey in a in a van with like a heated seat. On like a proper heated seat, and she got out, and it, it was cured. Wow! After after like two after like two years, yeah, heated seat, and it was sorted. So yeah. a van life miracle. I know, I know. She walks again. <laughs> Another thing to complain about a reef run: uh, the World Athletic Championships is on like this week. Really looking forward to that, but it's in Oregon, and all the finals are going to be three a.m. So fuck that. Time zones are bullshit. No, no time for that. <laughs> hate that shit. 3am is about the worst time it could be as well, so I'm yeah. not happy at all about that. Let's crack straight on with the tea update. And Brian Simpson emailed and he says, Dropping you a line to rant about the fact I've just spent a small fortune at Burden Blend on what I'd better be some fucking nice tea, all thanks to you two banging on about it over and over again. Oh, God. Perfect message. Thank the, you so much. The pressure, the pressure. I have got some Burden Blend tea on me this evening just to calm me down. It's a good idea. And because I'm very stressed, it's not caffeinated because that would just be adding anxiety to the stress, which is never a good thing. I've made that mistake before. So I've got ginger beer. I think it's just called ginger beer. It might have mm-hmm. a. Yep. I haven't got the packet with me right now, but it's, I think it's just ginger beer. But it's really, really good. It's really gingery. There's, it's like very lemony as well, which is quite nice. But it's made with rhubos, not, um, not tea. So it's uh, a nice deep caffeinated non-caffeinated uh drink so yeah nice i've got some in my cupboard haven't tried it yet but want to love a bit of ginge <laughs> me too <laughs> don't we all well my tea recommendation this week is just going to come from brian because i'm lazy and he says i cannot recommend the rhubarb and custard highly enough it is an exceptionally pleasant brew so uh, that's also a rooibos so if you fancy a bit of rooibos or ginger or some rhubarb and custard check out runningsbs.com forward slash tea get yourself some of that nice amy what have you been up to I've been on honeymoon. Oh. Yeah, we just went to the Forest of Dean, like, which is only Not about... just the Forest of Dean. Oh, the Come Forest on. of Dean's amazing, but Not I say just because everyone has these ideas that we're going to be jetting out somewhere. Have you? And if you've seen the state of the airports and travel at the moment, we are not jetting out anywhere. <laughs> um, Amy, Amy, my flight leaves tomorrow at 6am. You can't say shit Where, like where are you going? 
We'll get to that. Okay, tell us about okay, your thing. Okay, okay. I just, yeah. Mine, mine leads into a joke. I need to tell in a very specific way. Okay, so do okay, your thing okay. first. Well, the reason, that's the reason why we weren't flying anywhere. So we went to the Forest of Dean, which is only about an hour away from where we live. But I've never actually been to the Forest of Dean. I've only been to the Wye Valley. So it was, it was kind of the Wye Valley and the Forest of Dean. It was right mm. on the River Wye. Um, so I went to a very remote cottage, very remote. The shop was like a 30-minute walk away. Um did a bit of running. It's been extremely, extremely hot, as everyone in the UK knows at the minute. We're in a, in oh, a heat wave. Oh, yeah. Horrific. Hate it. It's um, come up a few times, yeah. Yeah. And where we were staying was basically the edge of a valley, like the Y Valley. Um, so wh- whichever way you went, there were hills involved. Yeah. Um, so that was nice in the heat. Uh, some, some lovely scenery around there. The only issue is, I don't know whether anyone's familiar with the uh, Offers Dyke Trail, the pathway. Mm, no bit. Yeah, so um, I don't think I've run much of it before. I've done the bit around Tintin before with Club. Um, but the where we were staying, and I was reading about it, when we are in the Airbnb, they've got one of those, um, I can't remember, like audience survey guidebooks sort of mm-hmm. thing where they go through the whole trail. It, it was written in the 90s, so they've got some quite old pictures in there and things like that. And I was reading it through, and I thought, yeah, it's basically, Offers Dyke is basically a ditch. It's basically a ditch, yeah. you know, that goes between fields well so, it's a dike yeah so. it's a dike yeah but they haven't like in terms of maintaining the trail they, they it's still a ditch like they haven't maintained it and cleared it in a way that makes no. it a nice walking trail it's still a ditch like you feel like you're running in a riverbed um so actually i was like when i was looking at it, i was like oh we're right near like the office dike trail and stuff that's gonna be fantastic it wasn't fantastic i ran mostly on roads because it is you're, you're just in a ditch and there's loads of stones on the ground it was i've already hurt my foot i think i mentioned from like the last uh race i did the trail run um in the black mountains i, I did something to my foot there which i'm hoping is not a hairline fracture so i've already hurt my foot and just running over all these stones it was barely runnable because it was so sort of lots of different side stones lots of different tree roots and stuff and then you're already running in like a very narrow area because like i said it's a fucking dike it's a ditch um so yeah i don't know what the trail like is in other parts of that that walk that that route but wouldn't recommend it personally um i've done some other bits that are nice yeah yeah a bit more woody yeah when i was looking through the guide but they look like there was some really nice parts of it not where i was but having said that I was on some amazing like country lanes that were, you know, the sort of late country lanes where there's grass growing in the middle of the road. So, you know, mm-hmm. that cars rarely go down there. Um, so I managed to do some really nice running around there on the on the roads themselves. But now I wasn't a fan as wasn't a fan as of, of Offers Dyke. It was it was I was reading about it. And I was like, yeah, it's basically like a ditch at the ba- the old boundary line between um uh, Wales and, and England and it was like built for defensive reasons and you know all these sorts of things I'm like yeah no wonder it's really shit to run on <laughs> yeah poor old King Offer spent all this time like decades and all of his money to dig a massive ditch and now like it's a tourist destination it must be quite mm. disappointing I know it's hard it's like a really hard like I said at least the bit I was on I haven't run any other part of it apart from around Tintin which I said but that was okay but there was miles of it where I was and it was just hard. It was all either really uphill or really downhill. It was all really steep. And it was like running in a riverbed. I At first I thought, oh, is this a riverbed? And then I went back and I read about it and I was like, oh, it's not a riverbed. It's it's a man-made sort of dike. But but yeah, yeah. So 
Dykes yeah. are bullshit. Yeah, dykes, dykes are bullshit. There we go. There we go. Tight. It was like kind of. I did like it though, because obviously me and Freya are going away for our honeymoon, and we have uh, offers dyke, right? We have the dyke right on our on our doorstep. It just seemed, and we found a four leaf clover in the gardens of the cottage. I thought this is all coming together. This is all Perfect. very like, yeah. It all it, it, the stars are aligning. You know, ran the dyke, found a four leaf clover there with my wife you know <laughs> anyway what have you been up to uh, well these summer trails are slicing my legs to bits oh, mate, yeah yeah perhaps this should have gone on the first complaint section but yep. i've seen plenty of other people on socials uh, having the same issue recently and just like fucking soaking wet bracken because all the bracken is like six feet high i put on instagram it was ferns someone replied to me said no it's actually bracken and three percent of the uk is covered all right okay calm down bracken man um, but that can piss off too. You can just get soaking wet and then just slice to pieces with like all kinds of brambles and nettles and all kinds of shit because everything's just massive again this year. Yeah. Um, also this week, uh, oh, last weekend, I had the With Me Now meetup. I went along to that. That was wonderful. Big thank you to Nicola and Danny and everyone else organising that. And also, of course, everyone who came over to say hi because we share a lot of listeners because we got Danny on early to steal all of his listeners and that worked very well for us. So people va- vaguely knew who I was. People would like, I'd be chatting to someone and someone would turn around and say, oh, I know that voice because no one knows what I look like. That's what I get as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you get that all the time. You probably got that all Were week, people yeah. asking where I was? Where's Amy? Um, no. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. That's <laughs> all they are. They were asking, where's Amy? Where's William? Ah. <laughs> um, I've never left a park run at 4pm before, so that was fun. Nice. It take you that long to do it? Gee, I'm not trying to shame you or anything, but Jesus Christ. Hey, Amy, come on. It's inclusive. <laughs> all right. Um, also, previous guest Claire from the South Wales Orienteering Club gave me the map from their recent event, which is near my house, and I was absolutely certain she couldn't surprise me with any of the locations, and she beat me. I ran it this morning, and I found a new patch of woods and field that I'd never been to before, so thank you for that, but I'm also really annoyed about that, because I can't believe there's a place like a mile and a half from me that I don't know about. But I do now, so I can go there properly and explore it. It's not very big, but she did beat me on that, so good for her. Uh, it's also good to hear some listeners trying to find orienteering events near them, and I'm enjoying the irony of people not being able to find them. <laughs> That's the first, the first uh, challenge. Yeah, people are trying. Uh, I would have done better this morning. I did okay, I think, but obviously I don't have the actual checkpoints to look for. Didn't have my orienteering socks. That would have helped a lot with all this, uh, all these summer trails. You know what? Yeah, I was thinking that because oh, my legs are like absolutely in bits as well just cuts all over i had a shower last night and i was just my legs were on fire i'm like why are my legs hurting so badly i had a massive rash up one of them from like stinging nettles like little cuts all over i'm like yeah no wonder my legs hurt lots of itchy legs going on this time of year yeah yeah not good speaking of itchy legs let's head straight over to our interview with one of the greatest named runners out there We are super excited to welcome our guest this week. Sophie Power is someone we've had our eye on for a while, and we finally found a spare half an hour in her ongoing cycle of prep and recovery for ridiculous races. Sophie is an ultra runner and mother of three and got pretty famous in 2018 for being both of those things at the same time. Uh, We've got loads to talk about, so we'll crack on. Welcome to the podcast, Sophie. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. So take us back. Uh, let's go right back to the beginning, as we always do. How did your running begin and where did it come from? Um, it was a bit of an accident, really, because I was not a runner at school. Um, I was second last in the mile and had labelled myself not a runner, as a lot of us do. Um, and then in 2009, I, I met a friend who just done the marathon to sub. 
And I was in a bit of a kind of head funk. I'd just been made redundant um, in a really nasty way. I just didn't know what to do. And he said, she'd be really good at this because it's just a long hike and she's really good at hiking. And I just, you know, when you just think, sod it, I'm just going to do it. And so I signed up with nine months to go, not really knowing what it was. And that was my first kind of really big race. So it started from there. And then I realized, A, I really like it. B, I'm actually quite good at this really long stuff. And yeah, there is quite a lot of hiking and the really long stuff, especially when you put big mountainous lumps in the middle. Um, and um, yeah, that was the start. So 2010, Marathon de Saab. And then I had kids and realized that it was easier to do the whole distance all at once because then I got home a bit quicker. You're another one of these people, but their first race was the Marathon de Saab. Well, how do people do this? How is this a common thing? I think because they have the the marketing out there and you see the kind of everyone does this and you see I was, I was in the same year as Cracknell he was in the in the tent next to me um and that got everything everyone kind of talking about mm. it and it's it's quite accessible it's all kind of talks through I think people see that and they say it's the biggest baddest toughest and most of the blokes like brilliant I'm going to do that of course I can do that um so it's quite famous but it's definitely not the toughest um out there and there's many more races that are much kind of more enjoyable tougher and an awful lot cheaper because it's about four grand <laughs> i can't imagine that you had a a brilliant time the whole way around though i'm just really surprised that you did that within nine months you went from not running doing that in nine months and weren't absolutely scarred from the experience it must have been a bit shit <laughs> there are times on the race i think what's bit shit about it is the toilets on the race um or the lack of or the kind of that side and I think I mean people say it's a great experience in not maybe the kind of being alone in the desert put yourself to the limits you're in a tent with I was in a tent with seven blokes I barely met um and we got so close and it, it does really strip you back and I think you forget about the bad stuff I forgot about my feet and the state that my feet were in really quickly and just I, I met one of my best friends Ronnie on the race um, um, and you just meet amazing people and it, and it is spectacular and the stars are spectacular and um, it's kind of like childbirth you forget about it really quickly so you kind of want to have another one and and it, it's kind of the same thing um, well luckily as you said it turned out you were pretty good at it and uh, it was just four years later you qualified for UTMB but you lost that place because there was no deferral for pregnancy how much of a shock was that? It was a huge shock because I just thought it was common sense um, because men don't have babies and women do. And of course you defer a place and because they deferred for musculoskeletal injuries. So if I was injured, they'd have deferred my place, but because I was pregnant, they wouldn't. And that just made absolutely no sense to me. I mean, kind of most races won't delay for injury, but I get pregnant. It's it's not my fault. I'm a woman. And that's what we do. Men don't. So you want to equalize. You want to level the playing field. You should defer for pregnancy, especially for the amount of time it takes to then get back to fitness afterwards and to get those points again. And I was I was devastated. Um, and I, I just didn't understand why. And, and it took me four years to finally qualify and get lucky in the ballot and get another place. Yeah, and UTMB is a massive deal as well. I mean, all those qualifying points you have to go for it. It's a Mont Blanc ultra. It's kind of 
pretty much kind of the biggest ultra race in the world, isn't it? In Mont Blanc. And you had to miss out on that despite doing all the work to get there. That was what was frustrating. And it is, I mean, there's so many races out there and it really is the the atmosphere and being there and your friends from where the world are there. And it's an incredible um, experience. And, and it's definitely what kind of people work towards. I mean, I'd love to run Western States for the 300 places and kind of, I've got barely any hope in doing that, but UTMB was, was kind of achievable and it's close to home. And um, I, I was absolutely gutted um, and getting through those points, you've got to run two big races a year or when you're also having a family and having other babies, that makes it really difficult if you're a woman at that stage in your life to, to get on the start line. And, and last year they had a less than 8% women on the start line of the longest race. Um, there are many more women than want to do it, but we're really held back. I think it's amazing as well because there's more evidence coming out now that women can actually do better than men in ultra races, like the longer the distance, like, you know, that, that gap between the genders in terms of finishing and things like that. There have been women that have been all out winners of, of ultra races. So I just think it's, it's amazing how there's still these really like antiquated rules around things like, you know, if you're pregnant, you can't defer and things like that. It just seems, it seems like madness to me. What happened, I guess, after, after the kind of the, the story came out, a lot of race races like, we're really sorry. We just never thought about it because we're we're men, and they put those those policies in there. And as a woman, you often have to see that yes, you are allowed to do something before you ask for it. Like a lot of women will be like, there isn't a pregnancy deferral. It says no deferrals under any circumstances. Therefore, it's a no. Rather than going, I'm going to ask them because obviously there should be one if I'm having a baby. Um, and that's changed. A lot of them like they put it in there. It's amazing they change that um, and that helps women because when it's your dream to do something and that's taken away from you or you have a baby and, and having that goal, something to really work towards to get back to, that's often like the mental health boost that you really need just to kind of keep on track and kind of see yourself as not just a mother, which society kind of makes you kind of as you give birth, kind of trying to make you think that there's, what you were before you became a mother doesn't matter anymore. And, and for me, it really matters to be something not a mother, to be a better mother. Um, well, this is kind of a common theme for you because you qualified again in 2018. It didn't put you off, but this time it was three months after you had Cormac and you were still breastfeeding. Now, three months after giving birth, I know a lot of women that don't run at all in that kind of time, but you were on the start line for UTMB. So three months after my first baby, I was not running. Um, and I had really big pelvic floor issues. And and I knew I had this place kind of 18 months in advance because one of the quirks of their um, uh, kind of qualifying was if you missed out two years qualify asking for one race, then you got the place the year after. So mm-hmm. I'd missed out and I wasn't pregnant at the time. And I thought that's that's no problem because I'll get pregnant today. And then I'll have like a nine month old baby on the start line because that's that that would make sense. Nine months. That's yeah. that's doable. Um, and you don't press a button, become pregnant. And it took a bit longer than we expected. And then I realized I'd have a three month old um, and they still didn't defer for postpartum or pregnancy. So I had the my goal was just to experience 10K, just to hike 10K, just to be in in Chamonix that week, my family and and experience it. It was um, 
something to keep me kind of focused during pregnancy on staying fit and healthy for, for me and my baby. It was never a case of, I really need to get myself around this race and um, an awful lot of things aligned. So I did, but that was never the, the, I must do this and push my body to the limits because I knew there'd be other times I could do it. Yeah. This wasn't a race you were out to win. You were just out to just to take part and experience it and see what it was about. Exactly. And, and, and I think that was a lot, a part of it is just having that focus, getting back to fitness, kind of being there with my family, getting them to experience Chamonix like that and kind of see everyone finishing and having the, the parties, catch up my friends. Um, it was mostly about that rather than getting my, cooling my body while exclusively breastfeeding around 106 mile race over a few days. Well, uh, that brings us nicely onto that's that photo um, where you kind of went a bit viral for uh, you breastfeeding at an aid station um, because, of course, you were breastfeeding at the time and you had a quite a long gap, I think, before you could see Cormac again. And so it just it was a natural thing that you had to do. Probably didn't even think twice about it at the time. Oh, I didn't really have an option because I was breastfeeding and I wanted to run a race and at three months old you're making an awful lot of milk and you've got to get the milk out. Otherwise it gets really painful. So I, I actually couldn't see him for 16 hours and I was kind of squeezing my boobs out behind trees, down toilets, just doing whatever I could to alleviate the pain. And luckily could have, you start overnight. So it wasn't so bad the first few hours because he was sleeping kind of longer stretches during the night. But um, yeah, by the time I got him, I was in absolute agony with this pair of kind of watermelons. And I was like, I've got to feed you. I've got to pump some more milk and then I've got to get out and then kind of keep going. So I stay kind of well within the cutoffs and, and have a chance maybe of, of even finishing this. Cause my, my three-year-old at the time, he's now seven. He just said to me before the race, like, I really want to run over the finish line. Like these other kind of mummies and daddies or mostly daddies are doing with their kids when they saw the other races finishing. And he's like, I want that to be me. I was like, Oh, for God's sake. Um, so I didn't really have a choice whether to finish at that point. I actually, had to finish the race because he'd been really upset um, and no one's made their kid upset. It's nothing like an emotional blackmail as a motivation for a race. <laughs> um, how does that feel now looking back at that photo? Does the reaction of it still surprise you? It's gone so far. It's, I think I didn't really realise at the time just how many countries it went to and how many people have seen it and I wasn't on social media at the time, um, really. Like I had an Instagram account that I never posted on because I had to set it up to order some balloons for a birthday party. So I didn't know really what Instagram was. Um, and so could if people don't link it to me, which is quite nice in a way, but it went so far. And it's people that kind of come and still message me and say they've seen it recently or it's come up and it means so much to them because it says so much about motherhood that um, I'm really honoured to be the subject of it. There's so many women out there doing amazing things as mothers. And I just happened to be there at that time with a world-class photographer, Alexis Berg, who just framed a very beautiful shot. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's, it's not an kind of strategy to say that the photos kind of changed my life and certainly changed what I do now and, and the purpose I found since. I almost feel a little sorry. There's a guy um, next to you in the photo with his legs elevated <laughs> and no one knows who he is. 
But it was gone around the world, but not of him. <laughs> I wish I could have been like him. I wish I could have had time for like a nice nap my feet up. That would be really nice. I think I think it's kind of him that makes the photo. It's it's showing kind of he gets to go into the A station and have a nap, and I've got to kind of be mum and be runner. Typical lazy men. Having <laughs> the ones around me because my hubby's there, kind of kind of feeding me sandwich. My friend Matt's changing my head torch. Like I've got I've got some pretty non lazy men on my crew. So um. Um, they, 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 it was, it was an absolute team effort getting me round. One of the greatest names, but one of the worst microphones. Uh, we'll be talking to Sophie again later to find out about she races and what a woman's place really is. Yeah. About time. <laughs> On to Patreon. So to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit and donate as money every month if you want, or just go there and like cancel your membership if you bloody sick of us that's fine too hello to new patreon francis howell this month everyone else who did this were jonathan carter angela foster swale Stuart stevens david owen amanda e hernandez paul hibbert martin kaplan matt h francis howell ivor hewitt sophie jakes greg collins ian thompson Matt Jesse, Yoski, Brian Simpson, Andy Robbins. Gordy Stelwell, Carl Fleming, J. Julia Page. Hale Ryder, Viola Grab, Drew Edwards, Hugh Phillips. Colin Hill, Simon Grimm, Sean Victoria, Magnus Carroll, Hamilton, Elizabeth Chaban. Len Martin, Ruth KP, Matt Garner, Karen Blake, Ian Hale. AP Matlis, James Lambert, Bernadette McCarthy. Yeah, it's another one of those with a long instrumental in the middle. Didn't realise how long it is. Handy though, because I get to add in a few names I couldn't fit in on the song overall. So, Claire Dina, Edit Line, Lisa Gibbon, Matt Newbury, and H. Cheers. More singing soon. Sorry. Genders, Charlie Neverson, McCaffin Richcam, Sherry Grubbs, Neil Denton, Amanda Murray Hind, Maria Wicksteady, Hurley, Matthew Wall, Raymond Quinn, Penny Simpson, Jason Spinks, Gail Seal, Sam Wally, Liz Reese, Katrin Fenton, Gabby Thomas, Nair, Kath Everard, Champolic, Adult. Rachel Bentley, Victoria Dick, Clark Gilmore, Matt Jones, Kirk Shepard, Cassie Jones, Anthony, how Max McCarty. So my excuse this week for my voice being shitter than usual is that I recorded this like the morning after I'd been to a big race and I'd been shouting a lot. Um, so my voice was a little bit croaky than usual. My voice gives up very easily. Well, I used to play football, and like if I played a football on Saturday afternoon, my voice would be gone on Sunday. Mate, we just gives up. I I relate. You know, after the jacuzzi incident where we had to actually oh, cancel God. the podcast because I couldn't speak because I spent so like hours. Football is such a better reason than a jacuzzi. Yeah, shouting in a jacuzzi. I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't go to work that day either because I couldn't. My work involved speaking, like public speaking, and I couldn't go. I'd like say hopefully none of my 
uh, colleagues listening, but I had to ring. I wasn't Skype. I literally couldn't speak. But I had to ring and say, "Oh, yeah, I've got a sore throat." And he said, "Why?" Such a shame. And the the the, uh, the admin lady on the phone was like, "Yeah, you you sound like you've got a sore throat." I'm like, "Yeah, I can't speak." (laughs) I didn't want to tell her the full. I just left her to sort of think that it's a cold, you know. Good job you weren't singing the next morning, or trying to sing, anyway. Um, we've ditched most of the messages. There's just one story I want to tell, because it amused me a lot. It's not actually a message that came to us, but it happened to one of our Patreon supporters and friends, Cassie, and I find it hilarious. So she and her husband were out for a long run with their Dalmatian, Oscar. And he was happily trying around off-lead, as he usually does. Uh, if anything, he usually lags behind, and they have to like really nag him to keep going. Um, but in this case, he was just a little bit in front of them. And he just disappeared through a gate, and when they got close to it and looked over the wall they spotted he'd trot down onto a platform and had jumped onto a train <laughs> um, why? he just saw a train door open and thought yeah why not <laughs> uh, luckily the driver had spotted him and was absolutely pissing himself as cassie was sprinting and swearing down the platform to retrieve him so funny that that's how i think a lot of us feel on a on a group run where everyone else is just a bit fitter and ahead of us like yeah just jump on a train and go home yeah, it's just because the way this is, you come over a large bridge and the platform is a bit lower, so you don't see the train station until you kind of get there. So they didn't, they kind of just forgot, and he just went down there, tried down, just jumped on the train. Jeez. <laughs> Good for him. That's amazing. <laughs> they got him back, he's fine. And I just messaged Cassie the other day because I had a quick look at her Strava. Her average heart rate for that run was around 150. At that point, it jumped to about 190. <laughs> There's a definite jump. Where exactly where that was. That's how stressed she was. I love love it. it. (laughs) So back on to our interview for this week. I feel like we could have talked to Sophie about her race experiences for an hour, but we pushed on because we don't want to pay for the the Zoom. So we only had a certain amount of time anyway. Uh, So we pushed on to talk about the future and her new campaign. So looking forward then, you set up the campaign She Races to highlight the women's places on the start line. Uh, can you just tell us a bit more about She Races and the, the aim of it? Just it can, She Races kind of comes out of UTMB. So I spent a lot of time working on pregnancy deferrals in races since UTMB. So many women contact me. I, I get messages on loads of things. Um, lots on pelvic floor and prolapse now because I made a, a documentary after I had my third um, about getting back to running and found out I had a prolapse to say send me ones on those but a lot of women pregnant and they're not doing deferrals so I end up contacting the races for them um, and last year I had a campaign um, a process of the London Marathon to try and get them to put a pregnancy deferral for the good phrase places and finally they did but it, it took months and so it's all about it starts about being pregnancy deferrals let's just make racing fair for women and I've spoken to hundreds of women and it's not just pregnancy deferrals. That really is the tip of the iceberg. Kind of, There's so many barriers in us getting to the start line in these races that race directors can do something about. And then there's having a really good experience while we do race, which we often don't with the unisex t-shirts and the toilets. Um, and then there's our competition and not valuing that the same as the men's. So not having the same prize money and not having our results split out, not putting a tape up for the first woman, um, not putting the women's race preview up. So there's so many things the races can do to kind of show that we truly belong on that start line. And she races really is just a set of guidelines. Um, I put a survey out online, had almost 2000 responses, um, which were incredible. And I learned a huge amount about 
what's going on and running and use that to put these guidelines together, which are for race directors. Really simple, just a way of how do you make your race more inclusive? And it's good for business because you'll then get more women on the start line because 90% of women in our survey said they'd be more likely to sign up to a race that kind of committed to some basic kind of equality principles. Um, and so what we want people to do is races sign up um, and then we'll feature on the website, we'll promote them, um, it's all free, and they commit to just basic inclusiveness, which is all we want um, because we, we think that women belong on start lines. Yep, it's a great thing. The guidelines are really, really good. They're really simple things. And it's, yeah, it's really kind of easy things to follow that easy things they can do without changing a huge amount. And it's probably a lot of races may well be doing this kind of thing already. I've sent someone to you already, and I think they're they're very much on board. I've seen them posting about it. And there's a few more I'm probably going to send it to as well. It's just, you have to get that balance right of sending it to them and say, this is a great idea, but without making it seem like I'm having a go at them and like, you should do this because you're bad. It's just like, here's a better, here's a way you can improve and attract more people. I mean, there, there are some that are really bad. Um, yeah. So I have conversations with races and they really don't care. Um, and, and there was one recently kind of, so people often go to a race director and they say, no, and they come, they come to me and they come to now she races. Um, and they're like, no, we don't, we, we don't think we should have e- um, pregnancy deferral because we have equal men and women in our races and then we go check the site and they really don't um, but they don't believe in that we belong there and it's like well that's it if you don't I mean it's your race but we want to signal the races that do that are great for women so that women know that when they go to one of those races they're going to have a great experience when they do so we've kind of got the um, our first newsletter went out today um, and and our kind of challenge to everyone is find a race that you think is either brilliant, send them kind of our, our little mini contract to sign up to, we'll get them featured. But also, if they're not great, point it out. There's no point complaining to us that this race didn't have X, Y, and Z if you don't tell the race director, because a lot of the time, and most of the time, everyone wants to put on a great race and they just don't know. They don't understand that women have periods and that we're not the same shape as men. Um, and, and, and we, we want to know who came first in our race. Um, and we don't like seeing website pictures of a load of skinny white blokes at the start line because your website imagery is the start line where the women have stepped back. Um, we want to see people that look like us, really, because um, then we feel that that's a race for us. It's not just about the elite um, and the fast men. There's also part of your guidelines. So you've talked about how race directors can improve and runners can improve, but also brands as well. Because a lot of the bigger races, of course, have sponsorship and big companies connected to them. And that's a way to influence as well. Uh, completely. I think kind of when you can't get through to a race director, um, and especially for the really big races, um, where it's important, where the goal race is like, kind of, for example, the London Marathon or the big marathons, there are brands that, Kind of put out that they're so inclusive and they're really working on these things they should be sponsoring these races they should be sponsored what we want to do is promote the races that really are inclusive so letting the brands know um and they can put maybe a nudge on the race to change things when it's a race that has that kind of sometimes there's not an option of a race like if you want to run london marathon it's london marathon you want to run when you want to run utmb it's utmb you want to run um, it's not I could do this small city marathon, this small city marathon. So 
getting the brands in those circumstances is is absolutely um one of the best way forward and we've had a lot of kind of success in driving change through the brand rather than the race themselves um, something you've posted a lot about recently is race cutoff times. I've seen a little bit about that in recently on your Instagram and how extending or eliminating them can improve women's participation. So if I can play devil's avocado very briefly, there's a lot of races, especially things like ultras and fell races that are intentionally really hard. And part of the challenge is finishing within that set time. So is there still room for those type of races? I think so. I think some of the cutoffs are for safety. So if you need to get people down from a mountain before it gets dark or for safety reasons and for difficulty marshalling the course, there are absolutely ways, reasons for it. I mean, one race I did called Spartathlon, it's a 36-hour cutoff because that is the, the, the time that the, the Greek messenger Pheidippides took to run it kind of how many years ago mm-hmm. from sunrise to sunset. That's the cutoff. It's there for a reason. And they've got really strict qualifiers so that only people that really qualify have the chance of finishing. The question is when you've got a local and we've had a kind of local 10Ks for a running club that have put them on a, an hour, 10 minutes for a 10K. Now, men will just sign up anyway. There's a lot of women that could be completely able to run that or very, a very little outsider, but you're very nervous about not finishing. And I think it's changing the language around the racing instead of we cut everyone off to being this is what you need to do to make those cutoffs. So you take Marathon to Sub, hardest race on earth, you've got to go three kilometers an hour. So that's the pace that my 19 month old pretty much toddles down the street. That's what you've got to do to do Marathon to Sub. When you reframe it, mm-hmm. it's actually what, okay, that's, that's really achievable. And posting about when there are no cutoffs, there's some brilliant local ultras where there's walker starts. So, Anyone that starts, if you're keeping moving, they will let you finish. So being really open about those races um, and, and what you need to do to finish rather than saying, we will cut you off. And, and speaking about it like that, it's just a different way of phrasing it. But cutoffs need to exist. The, the event organizer, they've got to go home at some point. Um, but by trying to do everything you can to make it accessible, um, that's all we're really asking for. Um, so it, actually, it's a kind of a question of language rather than making wholesale changes to races. I think a lot of race directors may be intimidated that all of a sudden they have to change all of their rules and they have to do lots of different things. But it's just a way of reframing things. And, and it's a way of like, we know that you can't put portalies up a mountain or in the middle of nowhere for ultras. And um, for example, Camino Ultra, um, a great company, um, they set up their ultras kind of through busy urban areas. They can't put leaves in. But for the last race, they put a map of public toilets, coffee shops and places where if you needed to go, like this is where you and you knew that, especially if you're on your period or you have kind of um, we you knew that you've got that there. So it's not they haven't had to change anything about their race. They've just had to think about it and logistics and just provide a bit more logistics or things like the women saying you'll buddy them up at night on an ultra. So, you know, you're going to be safe. We've got a tracker on you or this is how you get home safely from the end point. Um, it's just knowing that all that's there makes you know, okay, I, I feel much more secure and looked after going into what is a really tough challenge often at these races, even kind of half marathons. People, it's quite nervous going into that and putting yourself all out there not knowing how you're going to kind of change in a changing tent at the start or the finish. Mm-hmm. 
do you think there needs to be more diversity in terms of race characteristics? A lot of stuff you're, you're talking about, I'm like, yeah, of course, because I'm a woman and I've experienced those things. When I'm doing an ultra, I take a list of where all the public toilets are, you know? So I think sometimes men wouldn't even think of these things. They're such small things that are so embedded in part of everyday life of being a woman. They wouldn't think. So do you, do you think there's also an issue in terms of diversity in terms of who's running races? And we'd love to have more female race directors. And you do find that some of the, the, the best kind of races are run by women, but then you have UTMB who has a female race director. So I don't think having female race directors is the, is the answer. I think the answer is in having communication and saying, this is what, would help and this is where the guidelines come from and I had a lot of race directors feed into the guidelines and took out anything that's not feasible that that seems kind of we're asking for for too much it really isn't I think maybe the only thing that may cost a little bit more maybe we're asking for not only male fit t-shirts um if you're going to give out t-shirts making sure every reward is equal valued so you have the option of a female fit or preferably you have the op- option to plant a tree instead um, and not have kind of another low quality t-shirt so it's it's very it's trying to be really friendly and pretty much all the race directors that see it go yeah absolutely why haven't I done this before and it's great for them because they know that they've got more women on the start line so if you're a runner and you're interested in this or a race director, check out She Races on Instagram and look at the, the link tree on that. There's loads of really good links and you can send those off to your race directors as well to get them involved. Uh, but we've got the most important question for Sophie at the end here, which is, Sophie, what is the most bullshit thing about running? Uh, that's so, it's so hard. I mean, because now I've gone through all the She Races stuff. So I've gone through all the unisex t-shirts and gone through all the, like, the imagery and the baddest, hardest, everything. I think... A lot of it comes down to, it took me a long time to say I was a runner. In fact, I didn't actually describe myself as a runner until I finished Spartathlon, which was kind of six years after my running journey started and is one of the hardest races out there properly. And it's because we're led to believe that we've got to have coaches and we've got to take these protein shakes and we've got to have all this fancy stuff and we've got to have this miss training plan and do things in a certain way and go with be part of a running club and compete in a certain way and I think that's the worst it's the most bullshit thing because if you put on a pair of trainers and you go for a run on purpose like not just running for the bus then you're a runner and not a jogger you're a runner you run not jog um and for me I think if we can just tell people that as soon as they start a couch to 5k they are a runner. They are part of this. It's a very big community. We're all very different. Yes, we hear about the crazy ultra elite spectrum. But if you just put your trainers on and you go for a run because it makes you feel better, then you're still a runner. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's quite often we, you know, we'll talk to people. That they might be, you know, they don't do a huge amount of running, but they would, they just wouldn't. Just, they said, oh, yeah, I, I did a half marathon, but I'm not a runner. I'm like, you did a half marathon. Still like, that, 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 that was me for years yeah. they're like oh you're this ultra like, well now I've done some races but I'm not a runner because I don't live my life as kind of the running community maybe says it expects you to mm-hmm. and so it was finding that confidence and once I said I was a runner I was like I am a runner now I just felt more part of everything and I just wish that everyone could just say to themselves I am a runner a lot quicker in their running journey um and not worry about what anyone else thinks because you do running your way and every way is 
is unique to us. So what have you got coming up next? Any crazy distances, races? <laughs> I'm reco- so I'm recovering from South Downs 100. Um, also, which is rubbish, I missed the turnoff at 97 miles into the 100 miler and was like, I had these like destroyed legs and like going around in bushes for a while. Not good adding like kind of 25 minutes when you're quite tired, you'd like to go home. Um, but I've got the 24 hour European champs in Verona in September, which I am very excited about. So I realized that I, d- I live on the trails, but I'm not very good at going up and down mountains because I'm a bit scaredy cat um, going down them. So I'm quite good at running around a track for 24 hours. Oh. Um, because it's, re- it's quite nice because all I have to think about is me and not my three children. Um, and I can listen to those podcasts and just, basically get a bit of time to myself so um I'm in quite serious training for it which is not really like me um but yeah it's it's quite exciting it's a bit scary but it's quite exciting and going yeah flying away to a very nice city to race is is always exciting didn't you finish one recently I think I remember seeing the video of you coming around for the last lap to win a 24-hour track race and you couldn't hold your head up no, my neck went. So yes, this is this is the one I I, I used to qualify for the, the championship. So yeah, I'm holding my head up for the last few laps and I don't know what happened. But you know, at 24 hours, something's gonna go wrong. And it just happened to be my neck. Now I was not expecting my neck. Um so I've been looking at my posture, but yeah, I was I was carrying it and I couldn't actually look at my watch because I was kind of holding it. So I couldn't see what pace I was running um I couldn't do much to be honest I was a bit in a bit of a mess actually but I'm hoping that I get my neck fixed um so that something else can go wrong instead of my neck never skip neck day (laughs) there you go that's a useful tip to to finish on there Sophie Bauer thank you so much good luck with your 24-hour track race uh we can't wait to see what comes next yeah thanks so much for having me on no problem thank you Can you believe there is a European Championship for 24-hour track racing? That's mad. I I thought they were just like a rare, very occasional things. But there's championships just for that. That's crazy. I mean, good luck to her and all that. Hopefully she doesn't skip neck day and she smashes it around. (laughs) That was so funny. And also a bit scary. I think if that happened to me, I'd be very, really scared. (laughs) What is it? Something's going to go wrong. I guess neck is better than one of your legs or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so check out She Races on Instagram or on the website and help spread the word. It's a really, really good campaign. We really, really want to push to as many race organisers as possible. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, some of the things she was talking about, like I said in the interview, are so important and things that men may not necessarily think about just because, mm-hmm. you know, like women don't necessarily think of men's issues, you know, women, uh, men might not necessarily think of women's issues. But the big challenge around that is that a lot of race directors are men. So I think it's really important there are women out there saying about their needs in terms of toilets, you know, little things like that, that men may not necessarily think about. So I think it's a really, really important campaign. And actually the things she's asking for aren't big things. They're quite yeah. simple things. So and I think that's that's really great, too. They're, they're very achievable. So, yeah. Yeah. Start sending that website to your local race organisers. Yeah. So, Stuart, what have you got coming up next? Well, we were going to go to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. For a few days uh, i was going to get my zed park run which you don't give a shit about we're going to get the train to the hague do a park run beginning with zed because that's the kind of thing that people that do park run do um but unfortunately easyjet cancelled our flights so yep. 
so you know it was a tough it was a tough day we looked at all the options holly and i decided we were going to split by which i mean split in croatia which is my that's the joke i was going to do yeah i texted that to my mum and she did not like the joke because i left a bit of a gap between those two texts and my sister didn't know it was a place so it didn't it didn't work there either but you know never mind uh, anyway, it's going to be hot as fuck. It's going to be hot as fuck in the UK. It's going to be even hotter in Split, so I don't care about anyone saying about being hot in the UK because I'm going to be hotter. It, I mean, I don't want to dampen things, but even that's if you get there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not because something terrible is going to happen, but have you seen the fucking airports at the moment? Well, we're there like first flight out in the morning, so okay. hopefully it'll be okay. My alarm is set for 2.30 oh, in the morning. God. I, I can't that. even watch any World Athletics Championships, never oh mind. Oh my god, I, I hate that, I hate that. Anyway, yeah, I'm sure it'll be lovely, I'm sure you'll have a great time in Split, and it'll, it'll all work out fine, your flight won't be cancelled or delayed, or anything like that. <laughs> Thank you, that was so genuine, what are you up to? <laughs> uh, not much really, I've got next event, I don't, I don't think I mentioned this last time, because I think I've only just signed up, but I'm do, we're going to, me and Jen, Jen Danger Harding, are going to do the Exmoor uh, trail half marathon i say it's a half marathon i think it's more like 14 it's a, or 15 it's a trail miles. half it could be anything yeah i hate that because i i, I kind of want them to say because it says when so this is through uh trail events company again which uh which were fantastic that i spoke about them on the last podcast we really enjoyed their events so we signed up for another one um but it does make me laugh because you like click on the half marathon option and then you go down to like the, the information about it like the uh ascent and stuff and then under like miles it's like 14 point something miles i'm like well it's not half marathon then, is it? Mm. i love like the marathons like over 26 miles and you're like well it's, oh, yeah. a, it's an ultra then <laughs> but then they also have the option for an ultra as well and you know anyway yeah, and the 10k is 13k yeah 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 exactly um so yeah we're going down to exmoor for that hopefully nice. that will be okay we're doing like loads of elevation sort of hill training at the moment just because mm-hmm. we don't do hills at all in cardiff because it's so flat so when we've been doing runs before it's been you know around where we live and it's incredibly flat so we've been going out and doing some like loops of nearby um woods and stuff that have a bit more elevation so that's what i've been doing my foot's like i said my foot still hurts so that's not really reassuring and freya said to me the other day she's like oh do you think it's like a hairline fracture? I'm like, well, I hadn't thought that, but now I'm thinking of it. Great, thanks. Yeah, yeah thanks for that. But I'm, I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping it's just... You're happy to bruise. ignore that. Yeah, yeah. Every time I go over a rock, it hurts again, <laughs> which I'm sure is not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. And like the way you tackle those kind of tough terrain as well is is, is pretty quick. I know you've yeah, been, I no. see you've been doing your river crossings again as well. <laughs> because it's incredible to watch. <laughs> Oh, mate. The thing is, like, I can't full send it and just run across because that's not me. And if I did that, I would hesitate. And that's when you fall in, when you hesitate. But also, I'm incredibly clumsy. Like, I'm clumsy in general. I'm sure I've got, I can't remember what it's called when, when you when you struggle with spatial awareness i'm sure i've got that like dyspraxia or something like that i'm not very good at like i just whacked my own headphone then just talking like so even if i was as confident as anything i think i'd still fall over and i know that about myself i'm aware of my limits so yeah hands and knees like a monkey over the over the over river crossings is absolutely fine by me Fair enough. If you've enjoyed this bullshit, please visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, merch store, and social medias. That was quick, wasn't it? Yeah, we got it. Bing, bang, bosh. That'll do.
the dike, found a four-leaf clover, there with my wife, you know? <laughs> I'm not making the joke. No, you can't, you know, you can't make the joke, I make the joke. <laughs> I'm not making the joke. You're not, not allowed the joke. to make the joke. <laughs> I'm not making a joke. <laughs>